to talk to you about how to build a solid spiritual ecosystem. And tonight, I especially want to talk to you about how the Bible teaches us that you can handle anything. Anything. Now, I know that it is a common catchphrase to say, I can't deal. I know that. Or it's a common catchphrase to say, I can't handle it anymore. I know that that's just casual lingo. But we should be wise to know that statements like that can sometimes be taken seriously by your own emotions or your spirit. And that if they are not entirely truthful, that they can sometimes be destructive or dishonest. And dishonest statements, which are statements that aren't rested fully on Scripture, can sometimes be harmful. So I do like to say, you know, if, I don't know, my pit bull tears into something that they shouldn't, I look at them and go, I can't deal with you right now. And I, I, I do have two pit bulls and uh, they are uh, uh, create a lot of loneliness at my house because people don't want to visit the pit bulls. I'm just going to be honest. They are very friendly, but no matter how many times I tell people they are lovely and they will lick you, uh, not to death because that is the issue, but they will lick you and people go, that's fine, I'm fine where I am, I'm fine here on the side of the gate. In fact, recently I ordered, well, a couple of months ago, a Mr. Delivery meal. And it arrived down at the bottom gate. I very seldom order from there. It was very nice, by the way, it was a Jack's Bagels. Very nice. And I pressed the wrong button. And accidentally opened the gate. That guy left his bike and my food and ran up the hill. But my dog uh, is only, uh, is a poser. She just barks. Once the gate opens, she sits. Goes nowhere. I, 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 um, I do sometimes think the devil is a little like that, uh, making a lot of noise until you open the gate and say, come, and then we'll see about that. But it is a dangerous thing to presume that you can't handle something. It's also very dangerous. There's a misunderstanding in the, in, in the context of Scripture where people sometimes say, well, whatever I'm going through, God thinks I can handle it, so He gave it to me so that I can handle it. Do you know that that's actually a misunderstanding of a Scripture, which I think we can handle maybe next week? That has to do with temptation. It's in one place in the Bible in 1 Corinthians, and it deals with temptation. And it's a verse that says, no temptation has come against you or has attacked you, except such temptation as is common among men, and that God will, with every temptation, make a way of escape so that you can bear up or handle it. So let's set temptation aside. I'm not talking about handling temptation. But come next week. Because I don't want you to go to a bar and order three beers and say, my pastor says, I can handle it. You understand why? It's very important. We handle it separately. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to invite somebody to your house, turn the lights off, uh, turn on a romantic movie and then say, but my pastor says, I can handle it. You cannot handle temptation. I just want you to know, you don't handle temptation, you overcome temptation. That is a different thing. Uh, handling and overcoming are not the same thing, but it's not confusing. Handling has to do with life's pressures. Handling has to do with obstacles, disappointments and discouragement. The things we hope for not coming at the time we hope for or not coming in the package we hope for. That's a different matter. And God teaches us 
how to handle all things biblically. In fact, I love this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 11, from the Message Translation. It says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy on or ill-fitted on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I think there is a tremendous power in our recognizing that we can feel worn out and tired even in religion. You can get sick and tired. Have you ever made that statement? I'm sick and tired. In fact, maybe you've made the statement, I'm tired of praying about this. I'm tired of praying about it. They can so easily feel a sense of, I'm over it. You are, I'm using all the TikTok cliches today in one, in one message. And Jesus is inviting us to avoid the temptation of falling into a mindset that I'm over it, I can't handle it, I'm tired of it, and I can't deal with it. Those terms are not biblical language. God gives us a different kind of language that is much, much more powerful. In fact, in that same passage of Scripture, if you were to read it in a well-known Scripture, a a translation like the NIV or New King James, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and, and my burden on you because my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That the idea is that whatever we go through, we can still find joy in it. We can still find joy in it. And I think there is a value in figuring out biblically how we can change our language from I can't handle it to God has made me able. There is a language there that is a victorious language. Now I find Christians often are very good at speaking in tongues but don't know how to speak to their demons. Oh, gonna be one of those nuts. It's cold outside but the fire's inside, don't it? I think sometimes we, we, you know, I have said to Christians sometimes, why don't you just slow down on the speaking in tongues and why don't you do two things? Start speaking faith to the man in the mirror and start rebuking the enemy of your soul. Because we can, we can um, uh, uh, push ourselves uh, through our uh, language into, into defeat. And God doesn't want us to be defeated. Uh, do, do you know, it's possible to find faith and victory even in the toughest moments. Uh, David the psalmist, when he had, had his worst day in his life, he was cheated upon, and although he was a cheater himself, he lost his kingdom and he had all kinds. Do you know what he said to his soul? He wrote a psalm, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. There's a, there's a place of victory somewhere in it. And I think it's important that we learn uh, the language of victory and we start trimming the language of defeat. I think we should make a commitment that language like I can't handle it should only at best be used as a little joke, a sort of a contemporary catchphrase, but you should never mean it. In fact, maybe get rid of it altogether. Maybe get rid of it altogether and rather say, I can handle it. My prayer life can handle it. My future can handle it. I am being shaped by the things that I face and the things 
that I overcome. The Bible teaches us that Christianity is not just a heavy burden. I feel disappointed when people get taught that Christianity is more things you must do which you could fail at. Think of it this way. People go through life winning at some things, failing at others. Feeling a bit like a failure sometimes. So they come to church. They think maybe I'll get relief there. And then some preacher tells them, here's another list of things, a checklist, you better get right. If you don't get it right, all hell will break loose, if you'll pardon the obvious pun. And so they go home with a list and they do their best. But you know, we're human beings. We won't pray quite long enough. We will forget something. We will uh, skip a Bible reading day. I mean, I remember years ago, I mean, years ago when the Bible was in print form, eh? not on an app. I remember like I was taught, you have to start your day every day. You have to start every day, every day with a Bible reading. And I would miss one or two. And then I would start to feel pins and needles the whole day. That's why the traffic light was red. That's why the lecturer was in a bad mood. That's why I got 51 for economics. That's why. It's as though like in my weird brain, the, the Lord kept a note and he was like, ah, second day in a row. We're gonna have to show him. I had this weird thing. Why would God invite us to add to our list of failures another failure, a religious failure? Instead, Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you rest from the failures you felt so that you can be revived and renew your strength to win the next battle and have victory over the next thing you're called to do. And so I really feel like there's tremendous value in eliminating ungodly, unrighteous, or unhelpful language. Today, tonight, I, I'm committed to praying for you that, that at the end of this uh, conversation, we will pray a prayer and, and statements of defeat will be replaced by declara biblical declarations of victory. Biblical declarations of victory. I think sometimes even the declarations, uh, they're not always well-grounded. So sometimes people just make statements, not necessarily biblical. And they, and they seem to think that my making the statement is what made me win the battle. Do you know what a declaration is? A declaration is you telling your soul to go do battle. It doesn't replace the battle. It just gives you strength for the battle. Amen? So I have four um, tools you could use to replace statements of defeat for statements of victory and to teach you from the Bible how God makes us handle anything. Now let me tell you, uh, I'm maybe a couple of years older than most of you here, just a, one or two years. Uh, thanks for laughing, the Lord saw you. And later I will pray that the Lord will deal with you. Let's see what you can handle. No, I'm joking. That's awful. I take that back. I'm so sorry. That's terrible. Um, oh, the point I wanted to make is the things I thought I couldn't handle are very easy later. It's just now you think you can't. You're allowed to say, I'm not good with that now. But I'll grow past this. That sounds very far-fetched, so let me bring it to you, you, to pers you personally. You'll, go, you'll grow past that broken relationship. 
It feels like there'll never be another, just for now. In six months' time, you'll be singing Beyonce songs. I can have another in a minute. But now, oh, you're surprised I know, ne? Okay, I come here with my homework, did you? Uh, but right now you're like, oh Lord, I, there will never be another. Like, just for now. You're allowed to have a for now moment. But I want you to know that your journey with God is a forever journey and forever beats for now every time. Every time. And so <clears throat> let's, let's tackle a couple of things on how you can handle anything. First of all, know what's worth holding on to. Know what's worth holding on to. To hang on to things that are meaningful and to purge things that are not is one of the most meaningful things you can do in avoiding that tiredness that Matthew described. You're tired because you're taking stuff with you on a journey that you will never need again. Many people, I, I watched this program um, not so long ago about hoarders. It's like if you ever want to feel like you, you're okay, like your life's normal, please go to YouTube and watch like hoarders. Any episode will do. These are people who can no longer get into their house. They, they have to shower in the goldfish pond outside because their house is full. And I know it's a disease, so I, I get it. Their house is full of stuff they feel they can't get rid of. And the critical moment for me, the sermon for me, is when a therapist comes and says, what can we throw away here? Here's your throwaway pile and here's your keep pile. And after like three days of hard work, there's four items in the throwaway pile and they're keeping everything, like everything. And they even, <laughs> Jesus is working there. And even while the truck's coming, they take one of the four. <laughs> Must go back here. As funny as that is, do you know how many people are emotional hoarders? Holding on to an injury, a criticism, some statement, something that went wrong, holding on to it. Oh, I don't know when I'm going to need it again. And do you know how many people throw away things, spiritual things that are worth gold? The Lord is my help in time of need. And quickly say, the Lord was not helpful throwing away eternal things and hoarding temporary emotional broken things. One of my favorite preachers is T.D. Jakes. Yes, I recommend you listen to him, but don't expect it of me. So I can't, if you didn't understand that, I basically can't be him. You've got to be a mighty black preacher to preach like that. And if I tried, I'd be like, one of those car engines that are trying to get up a hill, but not enough, you know that? But he's got, anyway, he did an interesting message one day. He said um, he had a very expensive toaster in his kitchen and it wasn't working, but the toaster was expensive, so I thought he would keep it. And one day God said to him, don't get in the habit of keeping broken things in your life. Fix it or throw it away. It doesn't matter what it was worth. Doesn't matter what it was worth when you bought it. You know what it's worth if it doesn't work? Can be a smeg. 
Delongi. Whatever your vibe is, if it doesn't work, it's worth zero. And he went through his house. If there's a broken thing, he threw it away to teach his soul. I won't keep broken. I will not become comfortable in the environment of things being broken and that being okay. Not going to be comfortable with that. I think there's value in recognizing that Matthew chapter 22 uh, uh, Jesus reminds people, don't make things complicated. Keep it simple and hold on to the simple stuff. Jesus says uh, to the question, summarize the whole Old Testament. How complicated is the Old Testament? How many rules and regulations? How many pages? Jesus said, actually, two sentences. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And, the, and the, uh, this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and all of the prophets hang on these two commandments. And we make it very complicated and we find little bits and bobs in the Old Testament and we get all worked up about it. But you know what this verse does? He says, you can hang everything on uh, these two statements. Do you love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? And any question you want to ask the Old Testament can be answered in those two phrases. I still get asked all the time, should Christians, for instance, have tattoos? Because every now and then someone will read that verse in Numbers about tattoos. Now, I don't have one yet. I'm waiting for a significant life moment, I guess, like to, to um, have one. Um, but the Bible's quite clear, actually. Uh, if it is a marking to slavery or it is a marking the honor something greater than God, you shouldn't do it. I agree with that. But if it's a marking that is meaningful and not dishonorable, you can't, you're still honoring God and loving your neighbor, you're fine. If you put something on you that doesn't love your neighbor, it's not fine. It's summarized in this wonderful way. Let me tell you what you need to summarize in your heart to, hang, to be able to handle anything. God loves you. When people tell me about how deep and complicated their Christianity becomes, you know, the older you get, the more you realize the deepest, deepest idea in Scripture is the simplest one. It's the little nursery rhymes of Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You start there and then you get Lani and fancy, and you go deeper into the depths of the thing of the thing, I need to come all the way back to, for God so loved the world. It's, it just gets simpler. You want to you wanna wanna be victorious, uh, handle anything? Hold on to the simple stuff of Scripture. Secondly, you can handle anything if you learn when to hand something over to God. Recently, I had a great conversation with a Pentecostal friend. Do you guys know what a Pentecostal is? That's a Christian who is very good in the speaking of tongues and the gifts of the Spirit, and they use hectic terms. Rebuke. If you've even used the word rebuke or have heard someone use it, you are a Pentecostal. Now, next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, so maybe come and we'll talk a bit about it. 
And I said to the Smith, they said, I'm so upset. This person came up against me. There's more Pentecostal language. They came up against me and it wasn't God's plan. And, they, and then they made this terrifying statement. They said, well, I've handed them over to the Lord. I'm like, ooh, there's trouble coming. Because you know, when someone says, I'm handing you over to the Lord, there's like, I don't know, there's like horses and chariots coming for you from somewhere. Uh, but before you hand people over to the Lord in anger, why don't you hand your hurt over to the Lord and leave it there? Why don't you hand your disappointment or the discouragement or the anxiety? I've had to learn to hand anxiety over to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, today you're gonna have to, I'm going to leave some parcels of anxiety and you can take them with you when you go. Because some days I just wake up and I feel like, oh. In just certain days you wake up and you feel, oh, the pace of our nation is too slow. You feel like, you know, you hit a pothole and ride over a street lamp that's fallen and you're like, and then I got to go, Lord, thank you, Jesus. I'm leaving this in your hands because you know what? Despite the potholes and the broken lamps, we have great people, a great place, great possibility and great power in the name of Jesus. I'm handing it over to you. you. You kind of have to figure out how to, what to keep and what to hand over. Ephesians chapter six from the message says this, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be standing at your feet. You know, it's a part, handling stuff is a partnership between you and God, knowing which parts to leave with God and which parts God has left with you. And I think there's a sense of, of submitting to that. Some things God gave to me and some things I've got to give to God. It's a partnership. And then thirdly, I, I, um, I want to encourage you to hold fast to a sound faith. Do you know a doubt is, is normal? We, we tease Thomas, poor old Thomas in the Bible. We're like, ah, Thomas, doubting Thomas. Thomas needed Jesus to come and say, touch. Do you know we all doubt? And one of the reasons I'm a big fan of church online definitely, but also very much in person, is that we human beings still need a touch. And sometimes that means somebody puts their hand on your shoulder and whispers, God loves you. And sometimes it's a touch in the heart from the spirit during a song or during a message. But I'm willing, if I were a betting man, I'd be willing to bet that every one of us at some point have had a doubt in our hearts and we needed Jesus to say, you're welcome to touch. It's okay. And I just, I want to encourage you that doubt is not a destroyer of faith. Doubt is an opportunity to build our faith. In the areas in which we experience doubt, God comes and builds faith. Fear of God is a destroyer of faith. Not reverence. There's also the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That first 
who was translated reverence. Reverence is a show of respect. But if I fear God in, in the clinical sense of it, I won't ask him for help. I'll be too scared. The devil's goal is to keep you away from God. So that even when you doubt, remember what the disciples said, Lord, we believe, help us in our unbelief. Every person has seasons of doubt. Don't allow doubt to destroy your faith journey. It's an ingredient God can work with to rebuild your faith with. It's okay. And maybe you thought you doubted yourself out of God's blessing. But you, you can't do that. Because your blessing isn't based on your belief. Your blessing is based on God and his belief in your future. Do you know why I'm saved? Because God first believed in me as a son so that I could learn to believe in him as a father. Did you know that? The father is the initiator and I am the respondent. There's something powerful about that. So I want you to hold fast. James says, uh, chapter two says, I can already hear uh, uh, one of you arguing by saying, sounds good. God, you take care of the faith department. I'll handle the works department. And you can do, you can no more show me your works apart from your faith. Uh, then I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, fitted together, hand in glove. You see, sometimes I have faith and sometimes I just have action and I'm not sure how the faith side's gonna work, but the two together creates a living faith. I've done many things out of pure obedience and action that lacked faith but I, I did it out of obedience and then the faith followed. I, I shared this example uh, with our staff team recently and I'll share this before uh, I wrap up. I have one more point by the way and that is that you can handle anything if you learn how to heal well. But maybe we should pick that conversation up next week. Heal in the sense of wholeness. I shared this example with our team the other day. Uh, I'm told that I'm supposed to drink three liters of water a day. I think that's a lot. I think that's why there's drought. Really, I'm not a camel. I've tried. I have a theory that you can't make a blanket statement like that. Surely heart matters. Maybe that tall guy who's here, that guy who bends through the doors, maybe he can drink three liters of water. I cannot, I will drown. I cannot drink three. I'm not going to drink Three liters. I'm just telling you, I think it's very unreasonable and very unnecessary. It sounds like something is just making my body work over time to get rid of it. I'm just going to tell you, I struggle. I also don't particularly love it. I've tried, tried everything. The squeeze of lemon, I use RO water. I, I do it because, you know, they say your brain works better and all that. And then, and then I have a good day at the gym. Easily drink two liters of water afterwards. And the point I'm trying to make is, which comes first? Sometimes the working produces the desiring. And, and, and sometimes taking an action without a feeling produces the feeling. 
And sometimes loving your wife, even if you don't have the emotion of it, produces the emotion of it. And sometimes standing in church and raising your hands in worship when you don't feel like it sets you up to activate the feeling of worship next time round. And if I stood and said, you have to drink three liters of worship, you might say, I'm going to drown in three liters of worship. But if you took a step and you did the work, the work would produce the hunger, the hunger would produce the desire. Do you see what I mean? And before you know it, you're, you're, you're doing exactly what you need. Uh, we live in a world that is governed by, I don't feel like it, but I want you to replace that statement with I'm going to faith it until I feel it. Don't fake it. That's what the world does. I'm going to faith it until I feel it. I'm not going to fake it until I feel it. I'm going to faith it. I'm going to take an instruction of Scripture and I'm going to faith it out until I feel it. Until I feel it. And, and I think that's how, one of the ways you, you govern your emotions and you govern your heart. Guard your heart, the Bible says, for from it flow the issues of life. And so the greatest difficulty about handling anything in life is that it has nearly nothing to do with what life throws at you. It has to do with the quality of who you are when you show up for the fight. The enemy is irrelevant. How big are you? How big is your faith in God? And how big is your God? The size of the enemy isn't important. It's the size of the man who shows up for the fight. I am well able. God has made me well able. And so I want to encourage you, irrespective of the sometimes surrounding trouble, surrounded on every side, the psalmist said, it doesn't matter. You can handle it if you'll put God first and put your hope and trust in Him. Can you say amen to that? Okay, let's stand together and pray. Now, before we pray, I want for you to know that there's very good coffee after church. It is, and um, I hope you'll hang around. I really do. But I, I also, oh, and I, we do have people to pray for you. If you feel like something touched a nerve, we'll pray for you. None of us are in a rush to, to, to leave. We'll, we'll hang out with you uh, anytime and pray a prayer. And they pray cards if you feel like, hey, I don't want to talk to someone. I would like the pastors to pray about it. You just go fill in a card. There's no name required. And on Wednesdays, on Wednesday morning, all the pastors get together and we go through those cards and we pray over every need as a team for you. And then you can have communion as well um, anytime you want. It, it, that's why it's, it's out there. Um, but can we ask the Lord to remove statements of defeat? and to insert statements of victory. And that you'll be able to say from now on, because of Christ, I can handle it. I can handle it. So Lord, thank you so much that your, your word is, is, is sharp and living and active. These are terms that are practical and implementable. They can be inserted into our lives and they can transform us. And so, Lord, today we cut off 
statements of defeat. As humorous as they may be and as much as they may have entered into common culture and common language, we do not receive them as truth. I can't deal, I can't handle, I'm over it. I'm tired. Father, in the name of Jesus, we reject and renounce statements of defeat given to us by the system of this world. And we receive biblical statements of victory that we are well able because your spirit is in us, your purpose operating on us and true eternal life already surging through our veins. But the eternal beats the temporary every time. And that Lord, we thank you for declarations of victory. In Jesus' name we pray. While we're in this moment and I, like I have a minute or two, um, if you've never made the ultimate declaration, the ultimate declaration of victory is to say, I would like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So that would literally mean that whereas you are the final say in your life now, you would make Christ the final say in your life. You would become a follower. You would literally accept Jesus as CEO or Lord over your life. If you've never done that, I, th I feel like I need to create that opportunity tonight here in the room and online. So don't rush all. This could be a holy moment for you. It could be a turning point, pivotal moment for you. So if you wouldn't mind keeping your eyes um, closed for a moment and if that's where you're at, like, Lord, I need to be a follower, not an investigator of the faith or an observer of the faith or any of those things, follower, follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus Lord and Saviour. I am out of relationship with God and I want to be in relationship with God and I'm out of relationship with God because sin separates, my sin separates me from God. I want to sort all that out and I want to be in relationship with God. I want to be a follower. If that's where you're at, it would be a great honor. No one else is looking, but I'd just like to know who I'm praying for. And I'd like for you to do an action because an action and a statement of faith works hand in hand. Eh? Just to raise your hand and say, I'd like, to, I'd like to pray a prayer about that. I'd like to sort that out. Thank you. Thank you. Just long enough for me to see it. I don't want to embarrass you. Just like, thank you. Thank you. I won't, I won't call you to the front, make you say anything. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, if you're online, um, you, you just literally put a hand emoji if you want, but what, thank you, thank you. What we'll do is we're gonna pray a prayer that's on the screen. And online, if you pray this prayer, just say in the comments, I prayed the prayer. And Dean and the pastoral team will send links on how you can grow in your relationship with God. But get this sorted out. This is why you feel like you're drowning or you're religiously tired because you're just on the fringe and you're not... So let's pray it together. It's just literally a few sentences that come out of uh, the... Book of John uh, from the Message Translation and I've just put an amen on it. And so let's pray. It says this. You pray out loud under your breath, in your heart, um, but own it. And I'll read it to you. Dear Jesus, you said in the Bible that whosoever hears your words and believes, God sent you to set me free from my debt of sin, has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. I confess that I do believe you and I receive salvation from my sins and new life in my soul. I now cross over from death to life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give God a shout of praise for that and every decision made?